Hey everyone, you are listening to The Spark Within, a show that ignites a spark to go out and learn, create, and innovate. I am your host, Amir Safiri, and this is episode number two. And today, we're going to be talking about Jean-Michel Basquiat. Before we get into this week's content, I wanted to announce that we are now on all streaming platforms. So that means Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. What an achievement. I want to thank you guys for the constant support and sticking through to see the show evolve as we go. As always, follow my Instagram account at the spark within you for updates as well as some cool content that's coming soon. All right, let's get into today's topic. Think back to when you were just a little kid, when your imagination was much less filtered than it is now. When you thought or felt something, you had no problem drawing it and did it with little criticism. Most of the time, it looked good to you and that's all that really mattered. At the end of the day, it was a way you expressed an idea or a particular feeling towards something. That's an important word to keep in mind. Expressed, or expression, as you will be hearing it plenty. As you got older, your idea of art became more intricate. It comes in many forms, and everyone has different standards for it. There's no such thing as real art. Now, This is because the word art is used very loosely. The definition of art in the Oxford Dictionary is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture. Producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. By that definition, every drawing or clay sculpture you made as a kid was a piece of art. As you got older, your standards of art raised, and what you made when you were in third grade was no longer art. It was just a childish drawing. But that expression that was injected in that drawing can never be taken out of it. Therefore, it still stands as art. You may catch yourself saying, there's not much skill put into a drawing like that. And that's fair, but being able to put imagination on paper is skillful in itself. That's just how I feel about it. may be wrong, but we're going to pleasantly get back into this topic. For now, I want to introduce a very intriguing character in the art world. His name is Jean-Michel Basquiat, an American artist born in Brooklyn, New York, on December 22, 1960. He had a Haitian-American father and a Puerto Rican mother. They played a very important role in his life. He was fluent in English, French, and Spanish due to his parents' heritage. From a young age, Basquiat displayed a talent in visual art and was encouraged by his mother to keep painting and drawing to work on his craft. This mixed with his accountant father, who brought back home office supplies, Basquiat used the paper that his father brought home to draw on and express his artistic mind. Unfortunately, at the age of seven years old, young Basquiat's life took a tragic turn. He was playing basketball on the street and got run over by a car. He underwent surgery and ended up getting his spleen removed. While in the hospital, his mother gave him a copy of Gray's Anatomy. He was intrigued by the textbook and it inspired him to use many anatomical features in his artwork many years later. His parents separated and Basquiat had to live with his father, who abused them both physically as well as emotionally. His mother was determined unfit to take care of him due to her mental health. Due to this abuse, Basquiat made many attempts to run away from home. Basquiat was never a fan of school. 
and attended classes rarely and ended up dropping out of school. Basquiat had bigger plans and endeavors. Expression of his creative mind was his biggest endeavor. While in school, he had a close friend named Al Diaz, a graffiti artist that was a year older than him. Together, they shared interest in the same thing, Samo, a religion that they made. In 1978, Basquiat told the village voice, we were smoking grass one night, and I said something about it being the same old shit. Basquiat then said, same old, right? Imagine this, selling packs of same old. It started out like that, a private joke, and then it grew. The birth of same old started when Diaz and Basquiat drew a series of cartoons for their school paper. In the spring of 1977, Basquiat made a comic for the paper about a young man that was eager to find the truth. That young man was approached by a priest that tries to lure him into the world's biggest religions. The young man chooses to pursue Samo. In May of 1978, Basquiat and Diaz hit the streets of New York to spread Samo. Throughout the summer of 78, they put Samo tags all over Soho and Lower Manhattan. Basquiat approximated up to 30 Samos on a good day. Some of these included Samo as a new art form, Samo as an end to brainwash religion, nowhere politics, and bogus philosophy, Samo as an end to playing art, Samo as an alternative to playing art with the radical chicks set on daddy's funds. Diaz and Basquiat used these mainly text-based tags all over Soho to attack the essence of the society that they were raised in. They didn't consider Samo as an alternative, but something to pull the alternative out. A sort of satire to poke fun of the materialistic society that they lived in. Basquiat was quoted saying, a tool for mocking bogusness. Diaz then said, it makes people think, hey maybe there's another way. In other words, Diaz and Basquiat wanted people to question the very same systems and ideals that they hold dire and they used Samo to do that. Genius. This didn't last forever though. In early 1979, Basquiat and Diaz had a falling out. They had different plans. Basquiat loved being in the limelight, and always wanted to be a star. He was once quoted as saying, I always knew I would be a star. This hunger for publicity was what made Diaz feel like Basquiat changed. Diaz concluded that the future star was selling the graffiti works to the very same establishments that he once criticized. Basquiat started to write Samo is Dead all over downtown New York and began painting. That was not the end of Samo though. Basquiat carried that handle and included it in a few of his paintings when he became more independent. This was a rough period in his life. He was homeless and he had to beg for money and slept at friends' houses when he had the chance. This was undoubtedly a test in Basquiat's career. During this time, he also started making hand-painted t-shirts and postcards that would play a huge role later in his career. He would often attend clubs, particularly the Mud Club and Club 57. These clubs were hotspots for visual artists and musicians that were part of the up-and-coming art scene in New York. This was important for Basquiat and acted as an opportunity for him to display how different he was. And that's exactly how he treated them. He was known for unusual dancing and was known to be part of the baby crowd in Club 57. 
Though a rough period in his life, this would also be considered a turning point in his life. One day, when he was selling the postcards that I mentioned earlier, he spotted one of his biggest idols, Andrew Warhol, in a restaurant having lunch with art critic Henry Geltzaller. He offered to sell them both postcards, but Geltzaller rejected and waved them off, but on the other hand, Warhol bought one. This would be the start to a great friendship. With 1979 being the end of his street art period, 1980 was the start to his career as a painter. In June of 80, Basquiat's work was publicly displayed for the first time at the Times Square show. The show was well received and prompted Basquiat to get another opportunity at the New York New Wave show that was hosted in Long Island, Queens. The New York New Wave show united the entire New York art scene and had the works of 119 artists including Basquiat. He displayed 15 works that ranged from a multitude of different materials and surfaces. This was a huge upgrade as he only had one wall to display at the Times Square show. After viewing some of his work displayed at the show, I can say, personally, they're reminiscent of children's drawings. For example, in the drawing Airplanes, there's seven planes drawn as if Basquiat was in some kind of rush. There was a lot of blank space on the white page it was drawn on, but it's definitely interesting. If I was at the show, I would definitely be surprised when I viewed his work, but more importantly, I would be curious to find out who made it. Like I said before, there was immense variety throughout his work. Another work that was displayed at the show was Untitled. Now, many of Basquiat's work was untitled, so it's hard for you guys to understand exactly what I'm talking about, so I will be linking a picture in the description. It features a skeletal head in the middle of the canvas over what seems to be a collage of written text. The head is painted with spray paint and seems to be dripping. The canvas in the background is black and has splatter paint all over it. The piece looks messy, but calculated. It's also huge, like 183 by 122 centimeters huge. This show was a perfect first impression of Basquiat's creative mind his ability to express his ideas in so many different shapes and colors. This was a breakthrough for Basquiat. Fast forward the many years to come after this catalyst were very successful years of his life. His fame and success grew at a rapid pace, and Basquiat was subject to many historical moments. One of the most notable parts of his career was his relationship with Andy Warhol. His friendship and collaboration with Warhol was special. Basquiat respected Warhol and looked up to him from a young age. Warhol offered the same respect back to Basquiat. Andy also admired Basquiat's work, especially how fast he could paint. They were undoubtedly influential for one another. Basquiat was a reason Warhol returned to painting by hand. Andy was best known for his use of silk screen. They had a series of amazing collaborations, but unfortunately, some were scrutinized. This friendship slowly faded near the end of both of their lives. Basquiat's success was bittersweet, though. It was always his dream to tour the world and have many one-artist shows, as well as the publicity that came with it. But it also shows how vulnerable any famous person can be. Many traumatic events happened during his career, notably the passing of Andy Warhol. Warhol passed on February 22, 1987. Donald Rubel was quoted as saying, The death of Warhol 
made the death of Basquiat inevitable. Somehow Warhol was the one person that always seemed to be able to bring Basquiat back from the edge. Always, when Basquiat was in the most trouble, it seemed that Andy Warhol was the person he would approach. After Andy was gone, there was no one that Basquiat was in such awe of that he would respond to. Basquiat struggled with drug addiction, particularly cocaine and heroin. This wasn't, and never is a good mix, with fame and fortune. His addiction became easier to fuel once he started to get money. This, mixed with the hardships that he experienced during his career, was the deterioration of Basquiat's life. Near the end of 1988, Basquiat wanted to quit his drug addiction. He chose to do it himself, and traveled to his ranch that he owned in Hawaii. After spending time there, he returned to New York, claiming that he had quit his addiction. Unfortunately, on August 12, 1988, Jean-Michel Basquiat was found dead in his loft at the age of 27. The autopsy later revealed that it was an apparent accidental overdose on heroin and cocaine. Great human mind and career ended in a horrible tragedy. On November 5, 1988, a memorial was held in Harlem. 300 people attended, and they paid their respects to the creative individual known as Jean-Michel Basquiat. American artist Fred Braithwaite put it beautifully when he said, Jean-Michel lived like a flame. He burned really bright. Then the fire went out, but the embers are still hot. Coming from a broken home from a young age to defying all odds against him, he was unquestionably as unique and influential as a human being can be. He made art that many can question how much skill was actually injected within it. But one thing they can't question is how truly expressive it was. That in itself requires skill. I wanted to bring this episode to you guys after I saw a clip from the movie Downtown 81 that released in 1996. I couldn't take my eyes off his work and I wanted to learn more about him. After doing the research, I'm glad I did. I took an important lesson out of this. It's important to slow down sometimes. I think his hunger for fame was the reason for his fast-moving life. Basquiat would have been 60 years old this year, but instead joined the Dark 27 Club. I intentionally left out information because I wanted to create a spark within you guys to go out and do your own research and readings to learn more about this mysterious prodigy. I recommend you guys look at some of his work, as well as read some of the articles that I link in the description. Make sure to give yourself enough time to take care of yourself, and with anything you guys do, put as much effort and expression as you possibly can. Cliché, I know. Thank you for listening, and if you have any questions or concerns, just send me an email or direct message on Instagram. Till next time, bye guys.